0: Well, today we are going to uh, get back to where we were in our study of Acts, right? We're back at the uh, end of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, and uh, we are going to uh, finish up. I kind of thought when I was planning this that I would get to the end of chapter 2, and then you know we'd have the whole uh, little hiatus, and then uh, go to uh, chapter 3. Uh, but uh, there was more to say about. There's always more to say, but there was more to say about the end of uh, of chapter of, of chapter two. Uh, and uh, you know, as I begin here, I just want to say uh, again a big thank you. I'll say it. Uh, uh, well, I won't. I'll be at the retreat next week, so I'll say it again in two weeks. But I'll say it today. I just uh, very thankful for everyone you know, participating and helping uh, with the holidays. There's a lot that we do from during that, like, uh, two-and-a-half-week period. There's a lot that goes on here and uh, takes a lot of hands in order to do it. Uh, And uh, so thank you to everybody involved. I know some of you are here and some are not, so I'll say it today and and I will uh, repeat it uh, indeed again. All right, so where we're at uh, here in uh, Chapter uh, 2 is after the, after the pouring out of the Ruach, right? Uh, I'm not going to go back over, you know, <laughs> everything we've done. You can, you can listen to it it's on our website. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, but now we're after the fact where what happened? What, what, what's the follow-up? You know, after uh, you know, the, uh, the apostles waited, and we have the great moment of the, uh, the pouring out of the ruach, the promise uh, from the uh, prophets of Israel uh, of uh, the, uh, the, the pouring out of the Spirit, uh, the beginning of the olam haba, the beginning of the world to come, and, and we see that, that it happens and there's some confusion there. There is a miraculous things taking place. Uh, there is, uh, people were uh, speaking and, and they were understanding in their own language, right? They were basically speaking Galilean uh, and people were understanding them in all the different languages that, uh, that had gathered there. And uh, one of the things that we really pointed out is that these were Jewish people from all over the diaspora, who had come to Jerusalem, and that what we're reading about in Acts chapter 2 is really the beginning of the restoration of Israel. Uh, When we talk about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the restoration of Israel, and as the book of Acts unfolds, we see that it begins with the restoration of Jerusalem Jews, basically, uh, and people from the diaspora, of course, But then, uh, as a few chapters go by, there'll be an emphasis on Hellenistic Jews. And then there'll be the beginning of the emphasis on the Gentile world. Uh, And it's kind of interesting because you read in uh, in chapter 1 that Yeshua himself told the disciples, you know, remember what they asked him? They said, now are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Which was a valid and good question uh, uh, because that's what's supposed to happen. (laughs) <laughs> with all of this. And he says, uh, you know, it's not for you to know uh, exactly when that's going to happen, but your responsibility is to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest part of the earth. And we see as a model, and Luke writes very much this way, uh, in a lot of ways. He writes uh, like a, a model or, uh, or a paradigm. Uh, it's like a microcosm of the big picture. So we see Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest part of the earth, so to speak, uh, when Paul goes on his uh, travels, you know, in in much of the book of uh, Acts, right? Okay, Uh, and then, of course, uh, Peter gets up to speak, and he gives this speech where he uh, quotes a lot of scripture. What's interesting is that he doesn't spend a lot of time elaborating on it, he quotes it. Uh, and uh, he basically is explaining uh, what has taken place. That this is what Joel was talking about in the the pouring out of the Spirit of of like in those days, you know, in the days of the Messiah, in the in the world to come, uh, uh, the uh, in, in in the days when Israel will be restored. And you read it in most of the prophets toward the end of most of the prophets. But he quotes uh, Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 28. Uh, And then, interestingly enough, he quotes passages from the Psalms that describe uh, uh, the coming of the Messiah as the King of Israel. And so he's making the point that the King of Israel has come, the, the descendant of David, the one who sits on the throne, He's the one who has come, like from Psalm 110 and and Psalm 16. Uh, And and so he has come, the king has come, and he's poured out his spirit. Uh, And that is what has taken place. Uh, And of course, he's making the the point that that the one who was crucified is the one who was raised from the dead who's still alive, right? Right? Uh, And so, uh, we read when he's all done, uh, it says in verse 37 of chapter 2, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Remember we talked about this. What were they pierced to the heart about? He didn't uh, give some kind of like, you wicked sinners, repent and, you know, and that, we're pierced to the heart because of our sins. No, I suggested to us that they were pierced to their heart because they realized the great sin of all is that they had rejected yeshua when he when he came and they uh, crucified they sent him to pilate to be killed right to uh, you know to to, to die, uh, they wanted basically to get rid of him. That's the testimony that we read about in, in the Gospels. And now they realize they were wrong, and that he really is the Messiah, and that even their decision and even Pilate's decision is overcome by God, who raises him from the dead, and he's alive, and he really is the the Messianic King. And so they were they were wrong. And remember, we related that to passages. Uh, in the prophets like Isaiah chapter 53 and Zechariah chapter 12, which describe the testimony of Jewish people at the end who recognize who the Messiah is Uh, and and that we had been wrong. And and, uh, we know that most of our people, most of the Jewish community, is wrong about who Yeshua is. And the day is going to come. When Israel will recognize him whom, the, whom they have pierced and, and uh, will recognize that he, uh, that he suffered indeed for our sins and, and not, not his own. And uh, today that's what we recognize. And certainly that is the testimony of just of every Jewish believer I know. Uh, we were wrong uh, about him and have come to uh, uh, embrace Yeshua as the Messiah. And it's true for indeed you know, all of us uh, who, uh, who know him. And so then uh, they say to Peter, so what should we do? We were wrong. What should we do? And so he says in verse 38, Repent, let each of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins, and you, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord God shall call to himself. Okay? Uh, and with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were immersed, and they were and there were added that day about three thousand souls. So uh, uh, the people who heard this word and believed it who, whose heart were pierced who were convicted. they repented, they turned from their sin, they, they received the Messiah, Yeshua, in, into their lives and uh, uh, they were immersed and uh, which is the, the certainly in the book of Acts, that was what people did when they believed in Yeshua, that's what they did, right? Uh, we might say today, well when did you pray? To know the Lord, well, it doesn't say anywhere that, is, that they have to pray in order to know the Lord. They have to just they have to repent, and here it says and be immersed, uh, and uh, uh, and we see here that that uh, they would be forgiven of their of their sins, uh, and uh, and they would receive the ruach. Receiving the ruach is the sign of the of the new age of the new covenant age, uh, and we uh, if you weren't here. We also, uh, I gave a whole message on this, made a case where in Acts the order of things changes. That there's no one order. Repent, be immersed, be forgiven, and receive the Holy Spirit. You have people believed and they received the Holy Spirit, and then they were immersed. And you have, so immersion is not what uh, gives people the Ruach. The spirit immersion is not what forgives the sins it's an outward it's the outward sign of believing uh, it is embracing it is rep- it is repenting and embracing the Messiah that is indeed uh, the uh, the message then and uh, and now but now beginning in verse 42 to verse 47 and then what happened? what did they do? did they just go home and say okay, now, uh, I, you know, the Messiah has come. Uh, we have received him. Uh, we have the assurance of life with God forever. Uh, and so now uh, we're basically waiting, just waiting for him to return. No. And so we see, beginning in verse, verse 42 to verse 47, uh, as a famous person once said, the rest of the story, right? What, uh, what took place? What did they do after that? And this, I believe, the way Luke has even written it, is a model of this is, this is kind of like how we're supposed to engage uh, one another. Uh, and, uh, and so he gives like, it's like a summary passage. So verse 42, okay? So it says, And they were continually devoting themselves And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so this is sort of a, a summary statement of... Uh, you know, after the big event, uh, and after you have all—you know—the beginning of thousands of people all at once coming to believe, and if we were to ask a question, so what did they do? Okay, this is what they did. All right, all right. So we see here. Uh, first of all, I think it's um, a, a kind of interesting when it says uh, they were continually devoting themselves. That is very strong language, actually. they They were focused. They were continually focused uh, and uh, uh, and engaging and taking initiative and doing these things. It wasn't kind of like these were things that were going on, and people were, you know, either casually involved. Uh, they attended once in a while, uh, or anything like that. No. Uh, uh, It it basically is saying that this is what they were engaging in, continuously, and devoting themselves. To devote yourself means that they're focused on it, and they were continually focused on it, not just one day or uh, once in a while, but they were continually focused on these things. So first we see the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and and prayer. So you see uh, four things uh, there, okay? The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, uh, and uh, and prayer. We might ask ourselves, I wonder what the apostles' teaching was, right? Uh, It doesn't tell us uh, exactly what the apostles were teaching, but May I suggest is that the apostles were teaching them how Yeshua is the Messiah, how he is indeed the king, uh, how uh, uh, we're called to you know to live a life of uh, of devotion. Much of what Yeshua taught, uh, I, I would suggest, you know, like uh, the vine and the branches apart from him, we can do nothing. Uh, uh, perhaps because they were with Yeshua. Right uh, uh, during his life, uh, and the majority of people who were coming to believe here were not, and so perhaps they were they were teaching about a life of uh, what it means to know the Messiah, uh, the uh, kingdom type teachings, uh, the the fact that he is the Messiah, perhaps a reflection of what Peter. Uh, is teaching in uh, in the second chapter, and then what we also see in the in the third chapter and and elsewhere uh, in in some of the uh, in some of the speeches, okay, uh, and then we see here uh, they were devoting themselves uh, to uh, to fellowship. Now, perhaps when it says fellowship, it could be referring to. Uh, examples of that is the breaking of bread and prayer, Uh, or perhaps it's like uh, just an umbrella term uh, because it's a big term when when we read here that they were uh, devoting themselves uh, to fellowship. So fellowship, of course, is the the word uh, uh, koinonia, Right in in Greek, and it speaks about sharing, sharing with one another, uh, uh, being part of one another, and sharing with one another, and everything that it says in these verses is part of that. Everything, including the apostles' teaching, including the breaking of bread, including the prayer. Uh, including uh, uh, where uh, the, the experience that they're having of feeling a sense of awe, uh, including uh, having all things in common, and, uh, you know, with their property and possessions, and, uh, including having one mind, being of one mind uh, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, and, and all those things, uh, the entire description. Uh, really is uh, one, of, uh, one of fellowship. And we'll come back to that. Then uh, when we read here about the breaking of bread, people have different uh, opinions about what the breaking of bread is in this, uh, in this uh, verse. Okay? One thing's for sure, it has to do with eating something. Okay, I mean, that uh, universally everyone agrees with, right? It's always good to find that. Little nugget that everybody agrees with, right? Uh, it has to do with eating something, all right. Uh, and uh, uh, some would say that it is talking about uh, uh, what we call Messiah's table or communion, because the other things are kind of um, uh, you know very focused on knowing God and communing with God, like you know the the, the receiving the teaching and and prayer uh and and even the word uh, fellowship uh, so perhaps it, it's Messiah's table perhaps it's a communal meal, a celebratory meal uh, we don't know but all of the above is fine okay uh, but the point is is that they were sharing together they were together they were sharing together and and certainly if it was indeed a Messiah's table or communion that, uh, here it, it is um, uh, uh, a moment of experiencing God in their midst, of being in community with God—a uh, very rich, uh, uh, a very rich experience. Uh, and then, uh, and then, prayer. And again, prayer. People uh, have different uh, opinions about what it means here by prayer. Was it, was it free prayer? Uh, was it uh, 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 the uh, you know a liturgy uh, a temple liturgy? Was it praying in the temple? Uh, I have a humorous little uh, little thing about that. So a few weeks ago, uh, my family and I we were in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, when our little uh, two little twin uh, granddaughters. Uh, uh, it's, it's it's a baby naming, but kind of a a uh, like a dedication kind of thing. And they did it on uh, at home. It was on Sunday, and it was at home, and their congregation was there, and uh, and so you know that it, you know I'm I'm uh, uh, the, a grandparent, uh, but I'm the rabbi here, and then um, uh, Barney Kasdan, who many of you at least know of, right? He's the other grandfather, and so what 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 is our role, right? What are we going to do? So uh, uh, our uh, contention is always that. Uh, when, when we have family events like this, we're grandparents. We're not like the guy doing everything, you know what I mean? Which is very important. So uh, Barney, he did the ironic benediction. His role was to do the ironic benediction, right? Uh, and so on the list, it said, Howard, spontaneous prayer. Okay, it said spontaneous. It meant free prayer, like just pray, right? Spontaneous. So, uh, as we were uh, preparing to, uh, to begin the little ceremony, I said, I want you to know I haven't given this any thought, okay, because it says spontaneous. So, I, I need to, like, forget that it's even happening. And you're supposed to say, Howard, pray, and I'm supposed to go, oh, okay, that's spontaneous, right? So, uh, there you go. I, I don't know why I just said that, but I woke everybody up. Okay. Uh, so when it says here prayer, it could be free prayer. They were just praying together, eating together, uh, learning together, uh, and it's experiencing life and Messiah together, okay? The point is they were together. I know that there's the expectation, if you're going to give a message on Acts 2.42, well, then you better have four points, and these are the four things we ought to be doing, right? Okay, But and, and of course, yes, but more. Right? Of course we should be doing all that. Uh, But the point of it is, the point of it is, is that they were doing it together, may I suggest. Okay? That this was communal. They did not go home and read their Bible and try to grow in their new faith. Okay? Uh, uh, They did not uh, experience the presence of God and the newness of all this by themselves. And that is the major thrust of verse 42 to 47 is that there is, there is this new sense of community. This new sense of community, we could say community of the ruach, community of the spirit. And they were sharing these experiences. Uh they were sharing these experiences together. Now, having said that they share these experiences together, it is important to see, okay, they, I mean, they didn't go bowling, right? They were focused on learning. They were focused on praying. They were focused on sharing uh, this life uh, together. And the combination of all of this is what energized them and caused them uh, uh, to, to grow, okay? Okay. Uh, so there's a few things uh, that uh, that we need to uh, w- that we need to say to this, and and the first thing is this issue of uh, they did it all together. Okay, they uh, they experienced it uh, uh, together. We live in a world uh, that uh, is very individualistic, right? It's our culture, but now it's like on steroids, right? Now, not only are we individualistic, but we're very isolated in the way that we experience things. Right? Uh, for example, even in uh, some uh, things that we might uh, call good things, of uh, uh, you know you don't there, there are many congregations in which you do ne- you never have to go to the service in order to have the service. Right? You can watch the service in your pajamas. Right at, at at home, and for some, uh, uh, maybe that's a you know a necessary thing because of illness or uh, some kind of disability or I can't get out. Right, that, that that's good, but uh, for many, it's just well I don't need to go. Right, I uh, for many of us, the way that we live our lives, it's not just spiritually, but just the way we live our lives. You know, I, uh, uh, here's a, a little confession. Last week, we got a piece of mail uh, to our address, but it had somebody else's name on it, okay? And I did not know who this person was. Okay, I did not know by name who this person was. So we have a little, uh, you know, uh, uh, Facebook thing for our neighborhood, right? So I said, I, who is this person? Does anybody know? I have a piece of mail. So the person responded. Turns out the person lives next door to me, okay, uh, and has now I won't say for thirty years, okay, uh, that's not the case, but for about three years, uh, and I say hello, you know, hi, you know, I know what kind of car you have, <laughs> uh, and uh, and so on, uh, but now I know their name, right? Uh, that just epitomizes the, the you know the the way uh, the way that we. The way that we live, uh, then, and in the Bible, uh, and even in, in the culture of that day, uh, there was a tremendous value placed on communal uh, uh, communal living, uh, and uh, and so we see it here. Uh, this this concept of fellowship, this concept uh, of uh, of sharing. Uh, of hospitality, uh, of they they live. You know, they didn't have a building, right? They didn't have a building in which they uh, they went to once a week or twice a week. Uh, they met in a home or they met in a series of homes, and we see that when they would meet in these homes, they would study and learn. They would eat. Uh, perhaps they had a communion, messiah's table. Perhaps they did, but they ate, uh, and they uh, had fellowship. Means that they shared with one another, perhaps experiences uh, in the Lord, uh, and uh, and they prayed. Okay, we see that, uh, and they were all on the same page. They were, they had, they were of one mind, and we see that they also communally. We're still part of the Jewish world. It says they went to the temple with one mind in the temple. Uh, they did not conceive yet of being divorced uh, from the Jewish world. That was not, uh, they, they did not even conceive of that. See, uh, as, uh, as we read here, uh, when it says in verse 46, and day by day, continuing, continuing with one mind in the temple. Breaking bread from house to house, taking their meals together, gladness with gladness and sincerity of heart, and praising God and having favor with all the people. In other words, this was a very positive demonstration of uh of this new experience. And not only that, but through the apostles they were experiencing miraculous things taking place. It was quite clear that God was at work in a unique and and refreshing, new kind of way, and it was appealing to people. What happened? <laughs> you know, uh, this is what Luke is describing this kind of communal, uh, this kind of communal way of life. Now, <clears throat> you know, the eating part we always have to pause there because uh, eating in the Bible is always, always uh, a very important thing where people ate together. And we have talked at other times uh, about the the covenantal meals that we read about in the the Tanakh. But you should do a little study of all the times that we read about in the Gospels that Yeshua ate with people. It it tells us. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that the text has left out about the life of Yeshua. But it tells us that he ate with people. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. Not only did he eat with people, but he felt compassion on them to make sure that they had food, and in miraculous ways provided food uh, uh, for people. Food in the ancient world of eating together was a was a, a major, a relational experience. It wasn't just grabbing a burger someplace, you know. It was a, it was a major covenantal. Relational, uh, uh, kind of uh, kind of thing, and you know, uh, you know how you can read a passage and never really uh, focus on it, and then one day it goes, "Wow, that's kind of interesting." So, you know, in Luke chapter seven, there's a particular place in verse uh, thirty-four. Okay, uh, in verse thirty-three and thirty-four, and uh, it's about eating and the and people's perception. Of, uh, of John and Yeshua eating. In verse 33 of John 7, it says, For John the Baptist has come eating oh, eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. What's interesting about that is, is that he must have spent a lot of time eating and drinking with people, that that he would be called gluttonous and a drunkard. It must have been known that he eats and drinks with people. So Yeshua, and and you probably can think of of different passages where he eats and drinks uh, with uh, people, right? In Luke uh, 15, we see this great uh, accusation. A place upon Yeshua. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, "This man receives sinners and eats with them. Eats with them." So Yeshua spent a lot of time eating and drinking with people, uh, in his discourse with them, in talking to them, in uh, getting to know them, in uh, uh, sharing the gospel. You know, talking about himself, telling them uh, the the truth. And then we don't have time to look at it, but in the short period of time that you read the narrative about Yeshua's resurrection, look at all the times that it says he ate with people and even made food for others, okay? So it's very interesting, uh, the, the emphasis uh, there on uh, on hospitality, on hospitality. So you have a number of different things that the text says that they did uh, that they did together, right? Uh, whether it's experiencing uh, miracle the miraculous, uh, or praying, or going to the temple together, studying together, uh, eating together, uh, and then you have uh, this issue of uh, property uh, and possessions that it says. Uh, And all those who believed were together. Okay, See, isn't that important, just that little phrase? And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. So what Luke is doing is he is describing what real community, what real spirit community is. What it means to really be in a community, to be uh, in uh, the body uh, of a Messiah. Uh, And so it's important that we understand this concept. Uh, Is it just simply that uh, they they believed the same thing about the Messiah, and so because they believed the same thing, they had something to talk about. Uh, And so they met together. Uh, well, that's part of it, uh, but there's a, there was a spiritual event that took place that bound them together, and that was the pouring out of the Ruach. When the Spirit of God was poured out, all who embraced Yeshua receive the Spirit, and we receive not a different Spirit, but we enter into the realm of the Ruach, in the realm of, of Yeshua. And so it's, it's really more like this, and we'll turn to 1 John, and we're going to see this right now, that when I came to believe in August of 1976, it wasn't so much that, okay, uh, uh, the Spirit came into me, came into me. Well, that's true. It was much more so that I entered the realm of the Ruach, where all other Messiah followers are, that we are one in him, right? For example, in 1 Corinthians, actually, we're gonna to go to a number of different places. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in First Corinthians chapter 12, we read, For by one spirit we will, we were all immersed into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Okay, So while my experience, my own personal experience and the experience of anybody, is I've received the, the, the Holy Spirit, what has, taken, what has actually taken place is, is that I have been immersed into something. Into, I have been immersed via the Holy Spirit. This is good bu- theology here. I have been immersed via the Holy Spirit into the body of Messiah. That's how this works. Okay. So in other words, when I receive the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, when I come to faith, I, yes, now I'm like tethered in. I'm brought in. I've received the Ruach who is the vehicle of bringing me into, immersing me into the body of Messiah. Okay, so that means when you came to know the Messiah, 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 and you received the Ruach, you also were immersed into the community or the body of Messiah. And so organically, we are connected to one another in Messiah. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, by spiritual nature, we are connected to one another. It's, it's a spiritual thing that has taken place. That's why the only people that can have fellowship together are Messiah followers. You can be friends with people. You can be married to people. You can have children. You can have parents. But the only people you have fellowship with are other Messiah followers because by definition, it means being in The body of Messiah. And that is why, and I've had this experience, and maybe you have too, where you're part of a community of believers, and you love this community, and then you move away. And you say to you, what do you say? I'll never find anybody or any place like this ever again. And then you go somewhere, and you find a community of Messiah followers, and you come to realize they have different faces and different personalities. But you know what? I have. I have, why? Because it's the same ruach, the same spiritual body of Messiah that, we, that we're that part of. And so we are organically connect. Every Messiah follow, every believer, regardless of city, town, ethnic group, whatever it is, we are connected. Now, we need to recognize that, but that doesn't mean we have lots of you know, our, we have to throw away our physical body or our ethnicity or any of that. We know, of course, that that's not the case, right? Some people would say that. Some people would say that. That we're like nothings now. You know, we we have no, uh, you know, our identity, yes, is in Messiah Yeshua. But that, See, that's what that means. Our identity is in him because that's where we live. That's where we dwell. It's where, it's who we are. But the glorious thing is we still have our, Ethnicity and 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 all of that. Okay, so in First John chapter one, when you read these words, uh, well, I'm just going to have to start from the beginning. Okay, uh, verse one of chapter one: What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld with our hands, handled concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the father and was manifested to us what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you you understand in the first of what's this point right we've seen him we've we've been there he's manifested real you know okay but then he says what we have seen and we heard we proclaim to you that you also may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son messiah yeshua And these things we write to you so that our joy may be made complete. And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Yeshua, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. The point is, is that for us right here, there's a lot of truth here, but the point for us is, is that our fellowship is in him. We have fellowship horizontally because we have fellowship vertically. Because our fellowship is in him, our identity is in him, we have fellowship with each other. Outside of him, we don't have fellowship. We do not have this koinonia. We do not have this spiritual sharing outside of him, okay? This is, in Acts chapter 2, what Luke is telling us. Luke is telling us that this is this new community, this new covenant community. And the point is, is that they had things in common, that they shared their possessions in common, that they, that they learned from the apostles in common, that they had hospitality uh, in, in common. And this is something that we really need to get, is that we must, if we are going to demonstrate what new covenant life is, we cannot, it is impossible by definition, to do it in isolation. In isolation, it's only not good, okay? You know, that's true for just human living, right? God made us as uh, we're created in his image and his likeness, right? Uh, And so therefore, when we uh, come to know Messiah, we are so fully human that we must be in community because that's who we are as human beings. What do we read in uh, the beginning of of Brashid in this week's Torah portion? We read that uh, man and woman is the image of God. Man and woman, together, is the image of God. And so, we would, by extension, in Messiah, the community is the image of God. Yes, individually we could say, yes, uh, I'm a new creature. But it's much more focused on we are a new creature in him. What do people? See? That's why the community of believers is called the body of a Messiah. People see Him when they see us. Okay, uh, and uh, there is a tremendous amount. Uh, uh, there's a, a tremendous amount of emphasis uh, on the uh, concept of being one in Messiah. Okay. So I just wanted to read. Time, oh, okay. I just wanted. To, I have hours to go. It's it's great. Okay. I, I just something about I, I, this issue of one another. This issue of one another. You know the, the scriptures are filled with the word koinonia and fellowship and 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 all it, and the fact that we have fellowship and. We'll look at a a couple of others, but I wanted to read a series of passages that describe, without using the word fellowship, so you can't just you can't just look in the concordance for the word fellowship. But there's uh, another little phrase, and that is the phrase "one another." Okay, and uh, there's a tremendous amount of emphasis in the Brit Chadasha, the New Covenant Scriptures, about affecting one another. Uh, I'll only just say this: the Torah. The Torah is all about, right, loving God and loving others, right? Loving God uh, and uh, love your neighbor as yourself, right? You have to have a neighbor to love your neighbor as yourself, all right? Think of all of the ethical and moral passages in the Torah. They all have to do with affecting other people, right? And by the way, that in the Jewish world there is no concept of spirituality uh, individually it doesn't exist you can't even have a worship service in the jewish community unless you have at least 10 uh men over the age of 13 you know so if if there's like 5 you go home or you you do what everybody else is. you go out for uh breakfast or something right i uh uh, and that's very important. And there's also, also an issue of the, you have to have a certain kind of people there. But that's another story. But, but you have to have so many, so many people, right? Uh, communal prayer. Very little emphasis. Now, is this a good thing? You know, I'm just pointing it out. It's important to be able to pray by yourself. It's important to be able to uh, read your Bible. But it should not be uh, the, the greatest thing you value is being alone with God. It's fine to be alone with God, but if that's where it stops, there's, it's detrimental to your walk with God, okay? So what do we read? I'm not going to read all the citations. I'm just going to read, wash one another's feet, love one another, we're members one of another, we're devoted one to another, we have the same mind toward one another, we're not to judge one another, we're to build up one another, we're to greet one another, we're not to, to deprive one another, we're to care for one another, we're to serve one another, we're not to challenge or envy one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to show forbearance toward one another. That's one of my favorites, like put up with one another. Okay? Be tender-hearted toward one another. Forgive one another. Be subject to one another. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not lie to one another. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Another one there. Increase in love for one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Uh, Seek that which is good for uh, one another, as I continue. Stimulate one another to love God and do good deeds. Do not speak against one another. Do not complain against one another. Confess your sins one another. Pray for one another. Fervently love one another from the heart. Be hospitable toward uh, one another without complaint. Clothe yourself with humility, uh, 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 toward uh, one another. So, and th- th- then there's more, okay? So the, the point is, is that we are called to be this new covenant organic spirit community with one another, okay? So how do we do that? Well, it's important that we uh, we recognize that as a, as a community, as a spiritual community, first, we need to be doing the things that it says in Acts chapter 2. We need to be doing those things. So, uh, you know, in our membership meetings, we have this little section uh, about what's the difference between, like, uh, using the word fellowship as a definition of a group of people that get together and, uh, and a spiritual community, okay? So you can have, like, a skiing fellowship, Right? where the thing you do, you're, you're brothers and sisters in Messiah, and you're kind of like friends, and you like to go skiing. All right? Go for it, right? Or the, uh, the chess fellowship, or the uh, music fellowship, or the whatever, whatever it might be. But you see, a congregation, if, if you're going to be part of a spiritual community, you need to be providing, or we need to be providing, first we'll call them learning opportunities. Communal learning opportunities, right? Where do I begin, right? right. Uh, Communal learning opportunities. Well, there is the service, of course. There is the Torah study. There is the 9 o'clock Chavura. There's Tuesday night. There's Wednesday morning. Uh, And not leaving out the youth. There's junior congregation. There's Hebrew school. Uh, and other assorted events, you know, middle teens, and all that. And then on top of it, unbelievably, there is the non-programmed, organic getting together to study together. Has anybody ever done that? Right? Of course you have. Meeting at uh, the coffee shop here or there at somebody's home, and opening up the scriptures together. Right? You know, once in a while, when I meet with somebody, I uh, sometimes if I just get in the mood, I'll take a pic, I'll take a a, a picture, a, a picture of the two of us, and I'll post it on Facebook, and I'll say, "Oh, look, a brotherhood meeting has taken place." Right? Uh, why? It's non-programmed, uh, and it's just. Two brothers in the body of Messiah and in this local community of Messiah getting together and sharing, uh, sharing words, you know, where we're at with the Lord. We pray, eat something, and study the Bible. We got the whole thing, right? So, but as a community, we do provide learning opportunities. Uh, opportunities uh, uh, and other kinds now of fellowship opportunities. Certainly, we have Messiah's table, but we don't have it all the time. We used to do it every month and we used to tack it on to the end of the service. We don't do that anymore because when I was preaching through First Corinthians, I got personally convicted in chapter 11 that we're doing it all wrong and that it needs to be this holy moment. It needs to be. Something we're not, you know, we're not waiting for the service to end because I'm hungry kind of moment, right? Because as a good friend of mine once said, anything that happens after the message, the service is over, right? <laughs> you know, it's like in our heads, right? And, and, and so we're, we're waiting. So now what we do it, we do it periodically approximately quarterly, maybe a little more often, and I try to straddle it in the middle of the service, like in the middle of the, of the message, to make it, uh, you know, extra uh, special. But eating opportunities, the oneg, oneg, that's where the action is, you know? Uh, you know, we didn't always, if, if you've been here for a really long time, you know, we didn't always used to have an, an oneg. We used to do what everybody else does. We used to leave after the service is over. But we as elders, we decided that that's not good enough. We need to stick around. We need food, right? Uh, And and eating together, there's something about eating together. You're sharing. You're sharing. That's why when I meet with people, I love to go somewhere. Unless it's something so heavy that we better meet in the office, then okay. And then it's kind of like, okay, coffee, when you want something... Uh, but I enjoy that, that sharing uh, with someone. And whenever I meet with anyone, you know, the river always runs two ways. I always go away pumped and encouraged. Uh, the river always runs both ways on, on that. Uh, and, uh, and, and so we, we provide eating opportunities. But here's a challenge for us. Wouldn't it be great if we were all more hospitable So, you know, I just read, I just read something about, about, and preparing for today. I read something about hospitality. So here it says they went from house to house and breaking bread, sharing meals, joy and gladness. And this is very convicting uh, because the, the, uh, the, what I was reading was is, uh, you know, someone wrote the reason that so many people don't show hospitality is because of the fear of either not preparing a nice enough meal or food, or my house isn't good enough. I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. You know? Uh, now, it could be just time, but I think that inside of us, there is this thing uh, uh, about, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I got to make a meal, oh, yeah, I got to do this, or, or you gotta, I got to clean the house first, right? And so what was the person's point at the end? A big zinger at the end. He said, You know what all that is? It's all pride. It's all pride. Don't worry about the food. Don't worry about w- it. You know, if someone's going to come over to your house uh, and, you're, and you're having this time of fellowship and they're going to walk away thinking, Well, you know, did he. The color of that carpet? Does, you know, what? Uh, then you got other problems, right? Then you got other problems, right? So I thought, wow, that's really good. That the goal is community. The goal is the fellowship. And I know, I know, in other cultures, in other parts of the world, it is the, nor- the absolute norm. But in our world, where we live here, it is not the norm. I don't even know my neighbor's name until the other day. Right, that came as a result of an error in mail, you know. Uh, and so, how convicting is that? We need to be more like that. We need to fan the flames of hospitality and uh, and uh, uh, you know, and hospitality uh, experiences. We try to do it communally, and and also you know, many of us meet with people and 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 all of that, and that's okay too. Okay is meeting with people, sharing a meal together. Uh, and notice it says with joy and gladness. Joy and gladness. Sometimes we get the idea that if we're going to have this koinonia, it needs to be like, I need to reveal the worst part of myself to you, you know, so that I'm accountable. Uh, and then we're, we're going to cry and weep over it. And, or we, no No, well, that may be. But that hopefully is not all the time, right? Hopefully you get together and you share. You share things that are encouraging and, and good about what God has done in your life. Or what have you read lately? Hey, let's read Psalm 103. How can you not have a smile on your face after you read Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, and all that, is in, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He's done this, he's done this, he's done this. All right, amen, you know? Uh, And so this uh, uh, sharing uh, and and really what they're doing, when you add it all up, you know what they're doing? They're worshiping. They're worshiping together, okay? So here, when we talk about worship, like worship opportunities, buckle your seatbelt. Worship doesn't equal singing. Did you hear what I just said? Okay. Now get up the floor, okay? Worship does not equal singing. How is the worship? You know what that really means to most people? The temperature in the room was good. The, the, it didn't go too long. And the songs were kind of nice, and I knew the words. You, you know? I, often, how was the worship? No. It's not about how was the worship service. Did it meet my needs? Right? But what is worship? Do you know that in the Tanakh, there's two words, basically. Two words. Someone's going to find a third, I know. But I'm telling you, there's basically two words. The predominant word is bow down, okay? The predominant word is bow, okay? And you know what the other word is? Serve, avodah, shakach and avodah, to bow down and to serve. Wow, you know, isn't that amazing? And in the Brit in the New Covenant, believe it or not, whoops, you have also, there we go, you got it now. All right, we have, uh, to serve, right, uh, Also, and, and to revere, and to revere, right? So how important is that? Do you know that here, when, when we're talking about, you know, they gave their possessions to uh, one another, you know, they collected one another, when we have our tzedakah box, we're worshiping. Do you know that when we give, we're worshiping? It's an, it's an aspect of worship, because we're giving toward the work of God. Right, serving, avodah, giving. Okay, when we uh, attend the service, we're worshiping. When we are having real fellowship together, sharing a meal and and talking about the great things of God, we're worshiping. When we are having fellowship, when we are praying, when we are. Um, eating, when we are giving, when we are hopefully living 24-7 in the Lord, we are worshiping. Worshiping at work, worshiping at home, you know, just in the way that we carry ourselves. And how important is it to understand it that way? And in a way, that is what Luke is saying uh, in uh, in this passage. And so, may we recognize uh, there's certainly, uh, you know, we can talk about all these different aspects a lot. Uh, but it is important that we see ourselves as an organic spiritual community. And that is our motivation for all the things we do together. Our giving, our sharing, uh, our teaching, our leading, our receiving, our eating, All of it is because of this organic spiritual unity. And that is what builds up the body. And by the way, that's what people see. It means that the way that we interact together. When when we're offended and we forgive, we are worshiping. When When we're offended and we forgive or we're forgiven, we are having this experience of koinonia, of sharing in the spirit. When we put up with one another, when we put our arms around one another, when we say, Hey, I missed you, we are experiencing this because we are in Him. And so uh, let me just finish by saying that I would suggest that the majority of our personal experience with God comes through the community, comes through other people, okay? How do we feel accepted? We feel accepted by God through the acceptance of God's people. How do we feel forgiven? By God, when we're forgiven by other people, how do we feel, uh, you know, uh, 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 any of the aspects of, the, of relating to God, being close to God, being intimate with God in a community, okay? Uh, and, uh, and so, therefore, what does it say at the very end? It says, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so, may I suggest to us that when we demonstrate this kind of, uh, uh, of after you know uh, after the great moment, <laughs> this kind of life, this kind of messianic life, this kind of messianic uh, unity, come community uh, together, it becomes very attractive, and people desire what is different. We are giving hopefully this world, this community, an alternative way of life, dare I say, an alternative lifestyle to this world, this world of isolation, this world of alienation, this world of uh, hatred, of self-centeredness, selfishness. Uh, We are saying here is a real alternative. And uh, may uh, that be true of us. And may God add, indeed, to our numbers daily. Not for numbers, but because of an in-testimony. So, let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Lord, that 2,000 years later we are in you. And Lord, I pray, God, that uh, in all these ways whether it be the demonstration of uh, the miraculous, whether it be in uh, sharing uh, uh, our possessions, whether it be uh, in uh, sharing our spiritual growth and learning opportunities and worship opportunities and and just interacting in, in healthy spiritual ways together, Lord. God, may we testify of your reality in this world. And God, we pray that our goal would not to be like everything in this world, but that we could, therefore, as with one big voice, speak into this world. God, we thank you for the Ruach. We thank you that we are living in days of new covenant reality. And we thank you and we praise you in Yeshua's name.